Neil Tennant from the Bet Shop Boys is 69 years old today. Happy birthday, Neil. In an age where every band sounds like each other, no one on earth sounds like the Pet Shop Boys. You couldn't put on the Eagles, for example, and say, ooh, they sound like the Pet Shop Boys. They are unique. So, Neil Tennant, happy birthday. Thank you for the songs. Am I right, team? Such a good band, eh? Iconic. Brilliant. You a big fan of the Pet I Shop Boys? I wish they played at my school disco. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. Um, now, um, by the way, you've really started something. Oh, my gosh, I'm loving these. The formula came to my school. Kudanui College, Greytown, 1968. Nairi says, um, MG, sorry, MC OJ and the Rhythm Slave. And Push Push played at my school gym, Rotorua Lakes, 1991. Great bands, great memories. What's the band that played your school? And you've really started something, uh, Mark, on the little positives that we need to keep our, uh, our, our mind on. Here's one. The sun came out today. Life's good in my convalescence, says Matthew in Ototahi Christchurch. Another one here. I just got back from Canada, and I'm thankful we don't have skunks. <laughs> well, there you go. Here's something to feel happy about. New Zealand is the fourth safest country on the planet, according to last week's list by the Sydney-based Institute of Economics and Peace. We only hear about crime, but let's have some perspective, is Mike's view. Uh, And another one says, living in Wellington, we've had a great winter so far. Uh, I'm sure you'll have views on this uh, story. How does it feel driving 30 kilometres an hour through town? Nice and safe, or a bit of a drag. Fakatana District Council wants residents to have their say on the proposed speed management plan, which would put most of the town, including most urban residential streets, at 30 k's an hour. With us, Fakatani Mayor Victor Luca joins us. Kia ora, Victor. Kia ora, how are you? It's lovely to have you, Victor, and I know that you're quite passionate about the subject. In fact, uh, the words you described this decision, uh, you said it smacked of fanaticism and draconian. They're words you've, drew, you've used to describe this plan? plan? Yes, that's, that's correct. That's, those are the words I used. How come? Uh, because I think it's a disproportionate response to a problem that we're seeking to solve. Uh, and that the problem isn't as bad as I think we think it is. I'm not saying that, uh, you know, it's good to have any deaths, but, you know, in 1925 we had 1,600 deaths uh, per million of, uh, cars on our roads. That number's come down dramatically and reached a sort of a baseline value in 210 and flattened off at about 100 per million of cars. Where did you get that information from? Well, it comes from uh, some stats that I found. I think it was on Waka Kotei's own stats. So I've got a photo in front of me now, and it looks like it's the large majority of Fakatani would in fact be at 30 k's per hour. That's correct, and I think that's probably where most of the angst is, uh, or, or I think that's where we're going to have to see most of the angst, because uh, so far we've had about 400 submissions. And it's still early days, so people are quite heated up about it. But yes, it would cover cover it's a blanket coverage of most of the urban Fakatani down to thirty kilometres an hour. 
Mark, mm. what's your take on this? Well, I am also going through this process at the moment with uh, Safer Speeds for Newmarket, actually, and they're rolling it out across all over Auckland. And I do tend to agree with Victor in part that it is a very blunt tool. They use sort of to do blanket sort of uh, speed controls over large areas. If there is a need, for example, heavily pedestrianised areas or around schools, of course it's logical to reduce the speed. But what actually grinds my gears the most with Waka Kotahi is their doing this road to zero strategy yet the state of some of the highways in this country in particular State Highway 1 from Auckland to Northland or far north is dangerous and it is an absolute travesty that they go on doing things where you know they're tinkering around but actually the fundamental things is those big roads being used by trucks and big big vehicles every day are being destroyed, that's where the focus should be and, and maybe more of a bespoke look at some town centres so yeah Victor I, I hear you Okay, needless to say, a big response, and uh, we actually might return to this. Someone says, I'm enjoying my 30k zone in my corner of Point Chev. So much safer for the kids, cyclists, pedestrians, and dog walkers. I hope it expands. What are you? What's your take on this, Joe? Stay there, Victor. Well, I'm a bit torn on it, really. Like, I like that um, texter think there'd be benefits um, in the area that I live and operate if the speed limits were reduced because, you know, it does make it safer for everybody. But I guess, Victor, I wonder with something like that where it expands to the whole of Whakatane, where I myself have previously lived, how would it be enforced? You'd have to have a speed camera on every road sign. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, what what are we going to have our police spending, you know, huge amounts of time trying to police the difference between 35 Mm. or 40 kilometres an hour and 30? I mean, as you just said, rightly said, uh, I doubt there'd be many people who would argue about the 30Ks around school zones and other sensitive areas, but just a blanket coverage seems, uh, as I said, draconian. I guess here's the deal, Victor. Uh, As impact speeds increase even slightly, uh, risk of fatality increases greatly. So 30Ks per hour is the impact speed at which nearly all collisions are survivable by pedestrians. And I guess that's why the World Health Organization recommends us uh, being at 30Ks per hour. It might feel slow, but a 30K crash, you can survive it. And what's more important, do you think, Victor, to have a person that can survive a crash or actually bump it up to 40 or 50? Well, I could easily counter that by saying that uh, actually... You know, tens of thousands of people die in this country from smoking, drinking and eating crap. Um, you want to save lives? That's a good place to start. In fact, I just heard you say while I was sitting here that we're the fourth fattest country on the planet. No, so, no, we didn't say well, that. No, that was the well, fourth I heard, safest. I heard a listener, a, um, one of your listeners say it. Fourth, fourth safest, according to this uh, uh, report out by Sydney, uh, by the uh, Peace Institute in Sydney. Um, but... Um, you could say the government is addressing that. They're addressing, for example, um, smoke-free uh, legislation. They are trying to combat uh, deaths by tobacco. So why not try and combat deaths through um, accidents on the road? No, no, we should, but um, it's a complex... It's not so simple as just reducing speed. In fact, um, if you look at the causes of road accidents, there's about 22 factors. Um and inattention, well, there's some good studies that have shown that inattention and distraction, and especially in, this is an Australian study I'm quoting, uh, is responsible for 60% of road deaths. So 
you know, mm. disentangling the, the causes. I mean, drinking and driving are still, are still probably the third highest factor for road deaths. Right. You know, failure to keep left mm. in the tension. I, th- I think, you know, going back to sleep. Going back to what I said previously, I think there is absolutely uh, a need to reduce speed limits in some areas. 100% get that. But this whole yep. blanket, blunt instrument is just where it's a bit problematic because it's frustrating. If you are, if you drive for a living, if you've got to get across town, you're a courier, you're time-bound, you're time-pressured. And, you know, for example, in Auckland City, uh, we've got a 30k uh, speed limit, which actually means probably 40k for most people. Ponsonby Road has got a 40k limit, which probably means 50k for most people. Uh, and it's, it's not enforced because... Because we don't have enough people, no, enough resources from the Ministry of Transport or the police to actually enforce these things. So they're going to have to spend a hell of a lot of money on technology yeah. with cameras, etc., to make it viable. So, yeah, it's just a bit maybe slightly ideologically misguided. And I, I guess your uh, issue, Victor, is uh, less the 30 k's an hour, but the fact that it's nearly all of Fakatani. Yep, that's correct. Um, and getting back to the open road limit, um, you know, we used to, in 1970, have, uh, we reduced the speed limit to 80, um, and that stayed until 1985. And it had almost no um, effect on the reduction in road deaths, which were predominantly being, being um, you know, caused, or the reduction in deaths is caused predominantly by the technology of cars. Well, we will have to fact-check some of this, Victor, by getting an expert on that because uh, I think we're a bit fast and loose with some of those uh, factoids there. But nonetheless, I do appreciate uh, what you're saying uh, in Whakatane there. That's Whakatane Mayor Victor Luca. So it's, it's, it's really exciting, people. Gosh, look at the uh, feedback coming through. What's, what's Ponsonby Road at the moment? Is it 30 or 40? 40. It's, it's 40, but I wonder how meaningful that is because I go up and down Ponsonby Road all the time. I work there. I spend a lot of, you know, it's where I would socialise with my friends. People don't do 40. They do mm. 50 or 60. And yeah. when I was driving here, uh-huh. I drove into the 30 zone for Auckland City. And, you know, cars aren't doing 30. They're not. So it, it's a oh, sort so of you're, meaningless are you, are you saying Are you saying that, uh, put it to 30, but no one's going to take notice. If no one's going to take notice, you don't get the benefits, the yeah. real the real safety benefits of that. Because I do think there are real safety benefits. I would also say from some of those statistics around the 70s, and I think the earlier statistic was from even earlier than that, they're so long ago they're not a comparable mm. um, data set. I think it goes down to a lot of it down to design and the way roads are designed. And think we've learned a lot about that. So things like that from the get go can make a big difference to Just how people down. how people react on what, the road. What, 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 what's your, what's the hurry? I, I do, I do think there's an element of performatism from this, from Waka Kotahi. It is just like we're just going to do it because we think it's the right thing to do. But in the actual preact practical uh, implementation of it. It just doesn't really stack up. But as I said, in some areas, 100% reduce the speed. I think the word you use, bespoke, is the correct word Mm. we should be using here. You should be working with the community and the retailers to work out what works for that community Mm. and keeps them safe because Mm. lowering the speed does keep people safer. 15 uh, to 5, the panel RNZ National. Great to have uh, your company this afternoon, as always, Mark Knopf Thomas and Joe McCarroll uh, this afternoon. Well, the demand for food parcels have increased significantly this winter. Salvation Army has seen demand triple in the last year. They've just launched their winter appeal. Thought we might highlight this. Lots of Kiwis, they're doing it tough. We frequently talk about recession and high costs of living. And on the ground, this looks like many 
are struggling to feed themselves. With us is the Salvation Army's Assistant Territorial Secretary for Mission Lieutenant Colonel Lynette Hudson. Lynette, welcome to the programme. Thank you. Um, Tell me, how is the Salvation Army going? Are you managing to keep up with demand? Well, barely. I would say barely. Um, and it is that, like, it's just a, a perfect storm of increased demand, increased cost to purchase and provide the food, and um, just really that kind of tension between not being able to, this is looking us straight in the face and feeling rather daunting, I have to say. Yeah, I mean, one of, that's one of the reasons why we actually uh, got you on, Lynette, is just the the pressure that you guys are facing to deliver parcels like you did last year and the year before and the year before. Um, I was seeing here a medium food parcel that cost you $60 last year is now 160 bucks. So that's got two factors in there. And the first is that the parcel itself has increased by about uh, 20%. But the number of parcels that are required, that's where the big increase is. So we've um, just about every centre has seen massive increases. And we don't think it's peaked yet because for a lot of people, the, the, um, the reality is just biting. And like those are people who probably the people who are just on that marginal line and they're now finding themselves week by week unable to meet those food costs. Lynette, I often um, buy something when I'm doing the supermarket shopping and put it in the um, the bins, the salami bins at the supermarket. Is there anything that you particularly need and don't get? Is there anything like sort of personal hygiene products or toothpaste or sanitary products? Is there anything that, that would be a more useful thing to donate? Well, I would just say yes to all of those. <laughs> but strangely enough, it's um, it's your basics. It's So we try to, we've put a lot of work into trying to make sure they're really nutritious. And so things like baked beans and um, wheat mix and uh, flour, sugar, some of your basic staples are what, what we have to spend a lot of money on. But really, anything, anything is appreciated. Interestingly, I know that um, from I, I run the Newmarket Business Association, and we've seen a significant spike in the theft, food theft. Uh, supermarket food theft has gone off the scale has in it? the last sort of the last month or so. Uh, a lot of it's meat uh, and actually booze, but that's probably just by the way. But meat's really been targeted, and I think you know mm. the, the outlook ahead is actually uh, pretty grim because we're you know he- heading into some. Uh, heading into some hefty headwinds economically and a lot of people are going to be starting to feel the pinch once the mm. mortgages roll over and they realise that they've got to double the amount they're paying the bank to um, keep keep the house at bay. So what sort of your, uh, what's, well, how can people actually help the best? What's the best way for people to help? It, it's really plain and simple is that um, making a donation, monetary donations are what is going to best help us uh, meet the demands that we're facing. But we also know that, like, for a lot of people, that amount of discretionary income has changed because as mortgages roll over, as you say, a lot of households are facing really significant increases in what they have to pay. So we're just saying we understand that, and I guess we're still asking, can you support? 
Yeah, it's a perfect storm, Lynette, isn't it? Yeah. It's like there's there's mm. less support out there. There's more need for support. And I just really do want to give a shout out to you and to all the people who are volunteering, who do make a difference. You know, that's um, very genuine, very heartfelt. You know, I do think it, it that's something, as per your point earlier, Mark, that we really should celebrate, the fact that people um, put the time and energy and mahi into helping people who need help. Very good. So finally, Annette, before you go, where uh, are people able to donate for the um, winter uh, winter package that you've got going on, the, um, the, uh, the, the mission? Yeah, well, there's a, a really simple way, and that's just to go onto the Salvation Army website and all the information's there and the ways that you can donate. And like, genuinely, uh, we are doing it tough. <laughs> and mm. finding it hard to keep up with demand. So like um, going on the Salvation Army website, finding out how to do it and just giving what you can is really what we're asking. Very good, Lynette. Thank you. That's uh, Lynette Hudson there from the Salvation Army talking about the uh, the Winter Appeal. They've launched the Winter Appeal and uh, the demand for food parcels are really growing. It's you can And you can just feel it amongst colleagues and friends, can't you? Uh, panel, you know, every which way you turn, every single which way, it's going one way, and that is up. A hundred percent. And you know, I think what you said, Mark, about that there is more need, there is more theft. I know that the supermarket I go to, they've just put this barrier at the door, and that's to stop people just walking out yeah. with their shopping. And I'm not condoning that; that's a terrible thing to do. But I think, it, to an extent, it comes from just need. There is a sense of desperation, and a couple of people that we've sort of uh, spoken to who have been caught taking things, they said oh, they'd rather steal it than they've got too much pride than to go somewhere to get free food, which uh, in, really? it's, it's in itself is a bit of a problem. I, I know that Progressive has rolled out those gates in the, all the all the supermarkets around the country, and I think they're putting in trolley locks and all kinds of things so trolleys can't be taken out, and there's a whole lot of things coming um, because it is getting pretty prolific. The panel, RNZ National, eight away from five. Finally, what band came to play at your school? This band was one of a number that did the school rounds. Don't walk away from me, I'm not the kind that likes to be put down. Don't leave me standing here, I'm not the kind that likes to be Recall the time when at morning assembly there would be an announcement by the principal that a band was coming to play Friday lunchtime, Supergroove, Tadpole, The Mockers, Citizen Band. And I popped it up on Facebook and I got such a huge response. I thought, let's bring this to the panel, the band that came to your school. We've got um, a guest or two up, but firstly, let's go to Mark. What can you recall? Well, actually, to the the listener who texted him before, that I do remember the Netherworld Dancing Toys playing at Otago Boys High School in the in the new auditorium back in the day. That was sometime in the in the mid eighties. And actually, ironically, later in my adult life, when I was doing my OE in London, I was working in a pub in Soho, and one of the pl- uh, members was playing, practicing in a band downstairs in the pub I was working at. Strangely enough, um, but two other things I remember. I think at my school ball, Otago Boys, we had Big and Bouncy. They were a covers band. Yep. But they weren't. They may have been a bit off the. Break. I've heard of them. I've heard of them. Big and bouncy. But I also had the pleasure of attending the Moreau College Ball. Moreau College no longer exists now, but it blended into St Paul's to become Cavanagh College. But Moreau College had Look Blue, Go Purple play, and that was pretty fancy. Wow! Stay there, Joe. I want to go to Reuben. He's on the line. Kia ora, Reuben. Kia ora. All right. What's your memory? 
Um, oh, when I was in the seventh form, um, Neil Finn was in the class behind me, and uh, at Taumaru College, and he was in the same house, so we had to do a school concert. So we had Neil Finn set up with the piano rising out of the floor. Um, up to stage level and playing um, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. Cool. What a cool yeah. memory. He was about 16 at the time. Amazing. I remember Anika Moa winning Rock Quest. Maybe wow. winning, maybe performing it. At your school? Not my school, but Christchurch. I, remember, I think she used to busk yeah. on Cashel Moor. Wow. And so, Dee Dee Smash one afternoon at Tiamudu College? And then I came back a couple of years later. I was about 21 and... Um, Diddy Smash, um, yeah, came one afternoon, and um, I was standing along the back with all the other teachers, making sure that none of the school enjoyed themselves. They all had to sit there like a school assembly. <laughs> Excellent! Isn't that amazing? Just the memories, the social history, uh, Reuben, of a band coming to your school, actually quite famous, but there they are, just in the school hall. Uh, just for half an hour at lunchtime. It's quite extraordinary to think about it now, isn't it? Mm. No, but, uh, yeah, they all came around. Yeah. Possibly it was not when they were quite famous, though, Wallace. I guess there'd be a lot of bands who were just trying to ah, get they started. they were rising, yeah. Oh, yeah. right. And they were performing. But if you were lucky enough to be at the right school at the right time, you might have seen them in and the early days. Gone on to do great things. I think these days, from what I could tell, is that most school balls have DJs now, so it's a bit more like the wedding singer. It's not so much the, um, you know, just sort of all generic stuff. Very good. Hey, Ruben, thanks for your memories. Wonderful stuff. That's Ruben there who saw Dee Dee smash uh, one afternoon at Te Aumutu College Hall. With us now is Tony. Kia ora, Tony. Hi, how are you? Very good. What's your memory? Uh, I arranged a band called Blurter, Bruno Lawrence's electric RTA, I can't remember that, um, oh, to raise funds for our end-of-year school ball in that year. And I think Corbin Simpson was in his band at that time as well. We we brought the house down. The, the whole what? of our city came into our school hall and we just smashed it. What's, what school was this? Rotorua Boys High. And you got blurted. You arranged. Tell us about the day. Uh, it was probably a Saturday uh, night. Um, uh, look, you know, this is a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> there were no drugs. There was no alcohol. No, it was at the school hall. That the boys and fin- girls enjoyed. Fin- yeah, in the school hall. Yeah, they, they had a bus. They had a house bus, and he parked it up out in front of the school. I wish they'd take some pictures. <laughs> Isn't that amazing, Joe? That's fantastic. Yeah. What a great story. Did you think at the time that they were a huge band? Yes, they were, and we just found out that they were travelling through Vegas at the time. Um, and I, I was a prefect, and I just went knocked on his door of his bus. <laughs> I sort of knew who he was, and uh, long story short, I said, we need to raise money, we will charge the kids to get in, and we'll give you um, what we think is fair. Again, I have no idea what we paid, but they, they rocked up. They, we had a great, art, great night. Alone. Bruno Lawrence was an absolute legend, wasn't he? And then it? we had a good mm. school ball because we had plenty of money. <laughs> Who'd you have for the school ball? What band played oh, the, there? The, the, I have no Simple idea. Minds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I tried to arrange the Beatles, but they were busy. Yeah, exactly, Tony. Hey, fantastic. Thank you for that. Really awesome. No thanks, for, yeah, thanks for listening. That's Tony there who arranged for Blurter.
that's fantastic. Isn't that cool? Oh, Very good. Yeah. Loved the memories or a panel family. Thank you for uh, texting and emailing me. Uh, and a big thank you to Joe McCarroll. Thanks, Mark North Thomas, and to my producer, Ayana. I will see you tomorrow, 3.45. Till then, see ya. Without you, my-